Have you ever found yourself after a game of D&D debating over a particular rule that came up and trying to figure out, as a group, how to break it? As a DM, do you get that feeling of dread when your player asks, if you look at it this way? Well, we decided to turn that into a podcast. A group of DMs come together every episode as we discuss how rules is written. We can figure out how to maximize what we can do with a rule and how we can use other rules to break the game. Each episode, we will be joined by a guest, including DMs from some of our favorite podcasts, and get a sneak peek behind the DM screen from some of our favorite shows as they share their own thoughts and experiences on a particular rule and how it has affected their games. Please feel free to jump in on our discussions by leaving us a comment on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or feel free to email me at dm at dndraw.com, or send us a tweet to at rules as written and let us know how the rule may have come up during one of your games or how you figured out a way to break the game that we didn't discuss so thanks for joining us hi it's bethany hey this is tony hey everyone rachel here hi i'm ross So today is going to be one of our meta episodes. No, not the one on metagaming, but this time mm-hmm. on rules themselves. Okay. Uh, today joining us, we have Ross. If you don't mind Ross sharing, where can people find you? Hello, I'm Ross. I am primarily probably found on the Dice for Brains podcast. Well, diceforbrains.com for sure. Um, we also do Not Another Tavern, and I've got to participate in some of the awesome like podcast of uh, D&D events. So I was on, we did an episode for the podcast of, or the Tome of Foes, and then I'm going to be on the podcast of Waterdeep, um, which is great. I got to play in that one. Congratulations. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you. It was very fun. You could also catch our live stream game on twitch on tuesdays at 9 30 eastern we're playing some star wars and um we've got a new show coming out called table talk with victoria and ross where uh, victoria rogers from the broadswords and i we uh, basically have like an advice column show it's it's a lot of fun so any of those places would be great and you have uh, your own twitter handle now Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm a person on Twitter, and I, I actually don't know what it is. Ross something? You can, uh, find it. <laughs> you can find it on the show one that I used to hide behind, and now I'm not allowed anymore. Uh, okay, it's at 2RossBot, the number two. That's it. Thank you so much. At 2RossBot. That's not a bad name. That's. I think it gave me that one automatically. That's fantastic. Um, or at Dice for Brains, and it'll eventually get to me. <laughs> Okay, great. So before we go into the actual episode topic, we usually go through some interview questions to give people a chance to know you. Oh, yay. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. They're really tough, hard-hitting questions, (laughs) we've been told by some people. But we start with the easy one, which is, uh, tell us about what you create. Oh, wow. Um, A lot of stuff right now, which is Mm -hmm. very fun. Um, I create actual play podcasts um, and live streams that focus on, you know, bringing new players to a super inclusive table. That's really great. Um, We're also like writing adventures for the DMs Guild and we're doing some chat shows. So we've we've got a lot all sort of centered around the table, which is fantastic. So, yeah, a, a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So. I think really from there, it's going into the topic. So I guess, Ross, I'll ask you, why did you propose this topic? 
Um, because we had already, you had already done an episode on plot points, which is what I wanted to talk about. I know, we just did. (laughs) I love them. So I missed that. Um, and then just with the name of your show, the next thing that came to my head was, well, I'm a recovering rules lawyer. That might be fun to talk about, um, which you jumped right on, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I did, because it's become a regular thing where Rachel says, Bethany, you're a rules lawyer. And I say, I'm not. But I would say maybe it's because of what we would define a rules lawyer as. I don't see it as someone who likes rules or cares about the rules. I think a rules lawyer to me is someone who wants to to litigate the rules Mm. it's that idea of going and arguing and winning that's what i think (laughs) i would consider to be a rules lawyer so you focus more on the lawyer side of the (laughs) yes she focuses on the the winning side of the and and, and honestly i don't i don't do that actually as a as a player i have no interest in that i like rules because i am a structure driven person i move myself outside my comfort zone and try to not always play lawful characters because I'm like, guys, there are rules for a reason. (laughs) 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 Because that's how my brain works. And I think maybe some people consider that bigger rules lawyer, but I, I think it's really that issue of always wanting to debate and win that I see Mm -hmm. is what makes people say, oh, that person's a rules lawyer or that's an issue with having a rules lawyer at your table. So I'm kind of curious, how would you guys define what a rules lawyer is? I think my definition's a little different from yours, actually. So mm-hmm. I think that might bode well for, for you, <laughs> oh. at least. Um, oh. So to, to me, a rules lawyer is a person who puts the rules, where the rules take precedent over everything else at the table. And that is what I don't ever want to be. So I don't like and there are there are games that are structured in a way that it's much more GM versus the player in which I think what you're describing is perfectly valid. What happened with me is that there were times where getting the rule right was more important than anything else that was happening at the table. That is ignoring the other people I'm playing with. It was just that is what I needed to get away from. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's a slightly different definition, maybe. No, it is. Yeah. And that's why I thought it'd be good. It's kind of to start on that basis. And it sounds like yours could be more like, like, sorry, guys, the rules are just rules. They're laws that need to be followed. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, how about you, Rachel? I know you said I'm a rules lawyer sometimes, but I think my thought process is more with Ross's process that's like this rule is written specifically this way i don't not that you don't care what else is going on in the game but it's more that that rule is specific and should be followed as it is versus the rule of cool which to me is the overriding rule Mm -hmm. of everything that's true i am not a rule of cool dm partly because i've been running a long campaign and every time i get this whole i'm establishing a precedent (laughs) but i will also say this is because to Rachel's point, we have a rules lawyer at our table. It is Chris, and everything that happens is fodder for future exploitation. Yep. So, yeah, no, I'm not arguing that. <laughs> so, uh, that's another reason I stick to rules as written or rules as intended as much as I can mm-hmm. while allowing opportunity and help to work within those rules because it's what keeps the game running smoothly for this particular group of players. Also, I have a lot of new players and they just want to know, how do I do things? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and you say, however you want will completely paralyze some people. So they, they yeah. certainly need some of that for sure. Well, and because I think consistency also helps like mm. across the board, especially when you have like our group with like varying levels of players. You know, I've mm-hmm. been playing the longest and then mm-hmm. all the way up to, 
you know, the one girl who's been playing, what, a couple months worth? Uh, yeah. So (laughs) there's a huge gap of, like, experience and knowledge in the game, the rules, how it should function, the idea that you can literally do anything you can think of, or at least try. We've made it to haggling, so that's good, and there's rules for hat. (laughs) So (laughs) I I think part of how I respond to rules as a DM is driven by what feels like the right fit for the table for that particular group that I've been running. Tony, you haven't really added. What what do you think a rules lawyer is? So a rules lawyer to me is someone who is, yeah, I, I got to agree. I focus a little more on the lawyer part, but I I listened to uh, this one YouTuber who actually had this whole debate on this because he's like, yeah, when he says rules lawyer, people see the second one the that he's talking about, the one that is, you know, oh, I want to get something out. Like, what can I get Mm -hmm. out of this based off of the wording of the rules? And he decided to split it to two terms, a rules traditionalist and a rules haggler. (laughs) So I I see myself as what he would describe a traditionalist, which is I'm like, the rules are there because I think it's important, but also because I think you can get a lot of fun out of the game while still following the rules. Whereas a rules haggler will look for the loopholes and how they can get things out of a way a rule is particularly worded and kind of vague. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I have no problem calling out Chris. Chris is our rules lawyer oh, who's yeah. always like, but <laughs> if you read it this way, and Tony and I have said, no, Chris, we're not we're not doing that right now. <laughs> we're trying. <laughs> no. Other people want to have their turns too. <laughs> so we're just going to go with, you know, what the fireball has done every time up until now and <laughs> not something new. <laughs> so I think sometimes I would say I stick with the rules because it's just more expedient. Mm-hmm. for the way we run the game. But that's also because we're running 5th edition. I think it depends on what system you're running. That's yeah. true. And what like assets you have. So I have like spell cards for 5th edition. Oh, so yeah. I don't need to open a book necessarily because yep. I've got my little, I got my whole wizard little book planned out. Let's do yep. this. Yeah. We have those in binders, oh, yeah. like, you oh, know, yeah. like they're stored like Pokemon cards. <laughs> so like, typically, like the general rule, once it's going, is no books for yeah. us. Uh, we keep them closed unless it's super important. Like, you know, everyone can wave the flag if they absolutely need to because something isn't written or they, you know, can't read it right or something like that on their character sheet. But it's a little harder with fifth edition because there's just there's just so much more of it. Yeah, that's true. And and yeah, we moved to the no books method and no laptops when we were playing face to face because there was some, well, I've just checked something or I Googled this and I'm reading in a forum that yeah. someone has pointed <laughs> out that you could perhaps do. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. What is happening right now? <laughs> I have had those debates with with people pre-game or like between sessions where it's like oh but i just read that if you look at it this way you know it can kind of work i think that's probably why i lean so hard to rule of cool just because i'm always going to lose that fight probably (laughs) (laughs) and it's just going to slow down the pace then so So, let's just go so my whole thing with rule of cool is i'm willing to like let people do a lot but it might not be the way that they want like they might want to try something ridiculous i'm like okay you can start doing that it will require these two checks and it will take you this turn and your next turn or something like that rather than all in one go oh yeah Yeah. for sure yeah as a dm tony's really good about okay tell me what you want to do and i'll tell you how mechanically we'll make that happen so Mm -hmm. i think that sort of gets you to where you want to go where people still have the freedom to try things like i don't think tony has said no to any of us as a player say no no it's always just like yes but here's how you go about it because (laughs) it might not be what you think you're doing in a particular mechanical sense i 
think the closest I ever tend to be to saying no is, oh, I want to do this spell to do this. I'm like, okay, the spell doesn't do that, though. <laughs> right. There yeah. is another spell. That, and I'll usually say, like, oh, there might be, like, roll an arcana check. You might know what spell actually does what you're trying to do. There or you if you combine, like, you and so-and-so might be able to do blank. Yep. yep. Yeah. Give them a couple other options for sure. So, so Ross, you said you were a rules lawyer for, from yes. the definition you've given. So what has been your journey to now? Well, it was largely, um, especially working in video games, pace has become sort of like the biggest focus for me as a GM, quote unquote, storyteller, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that my tendency to be what I would describe as a rules lawyer. And you're totally right. I'm never really thinking about that from the player perspective. That's really kind of more as a GM rules lawyer, but I would just, it would kill pace at Mm -hmm. at pretty much every turn. And it got to the point where I want to say we were playing a game and I realized we'd been playing like two hours and maybe actually played like half an hour. And I was like, yeah, we just, I can't do this anymore. This something is wrong, you know? So I immediately started no book. So I I don't care what I get wrong. I don't don't care. Does it feel (laughs) fair at the table? Like everyone has a say in it, of course. Like, but if everyone can agree, yeah, that sounds pretty fair, then we're just going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely had times where I'm like, I'm going to make a ruling. We'll sort it out later if that was wrong. And and there's times where I've been like, so I was wrong about that, but it worked okay in the moment. We'll we'll figure it out because there are things that the rules just don't cover. Absolutely. And and there was a panic moment when I started doing the actual play podcast because there's that, okay, well, I don't ever want to get a rule wrong. <laughs> Someone but, will notice and call me on it and right. I will crumple into it like upon myself like a dying star. Yeah. Yeah. But we're we're trying to bring in a lot of new players and sort of by extension, we bring in some new GMs. And I think it's in, kind of important to see that like, yeah, this is I messed this rule up. And this is how we dealt with it afterwards. Like, I messed up this really big thing that's going to happen. It's not a big deal. Don't not GM because you're not going to get a rule right. I can guarantee mm-hmm. you you're not going to get them all right. Nobody does. Nobody. Well, and I would say when I started DMing, I was definitely more intense about it because mm-hmm. I was like, I need to do this correctly because everything's a precedent for the future. Exactly. And be very dramatic about it. But I think also there was sort of a realization that I am doing this for fun. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not being paid to do this. This isn't my job job like it's not like i'm gonna have this a mark against me that i made an error so i think there's definitely a a moment at least it was for me where i clicked like okay i'm gonna make mistakes and Mm -hmm. and that's okay i I will also say i was spoiled by having tony as a player because tony knows the rules really really well i became (laughs) obsessed when we started DD. thank you rachel it's greatly appreciated it's rachel's fault (laughs) she got us into this Welcome. I read uh, Player's Guide, DM's Guide, and Monster Manual from cover to cover yep. when we first got them. And while I can't say, no, I know every single rule, I at least have a pretty good idea. That's actually how I prefer to run, too. I do not want to be the one that knows the most about the rules or the one that knows the most about the game lore. Yeah, I I think I've described my my DMing style as sort of like a parent more than anything else. Like uh so here, to talk about so rules is written, there is a whole section in the Dungeon Master's Guide called Master of the Rules, which talks about the DM's role as a referee. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't see my responsibility as a DM as a referee where I'm like running a a game that I'm making calls or anything like that. I 
more like, are the kids having a good time? Are they being responsible? Is everyone getting along? <laughs> like, does everybody have their is, snacks? And is everybody happy? Cuddles? Which, by the way, has led to me realizing I am a bit of a softy as a DM compared to other DMs who are like, I gave all my players scurvy, and oh, I'm yes. like, I made Rachel's character a cheese inspector. <laughs> so. And I have like sixteen little mice worshippers now. Yeah, Rachel's yeah. character has all the pets, oh, not including adorable. the other pet mice and the donkeys <laughs> um the- so i feel like that's where i kind of am coming from enforcing the rules like okay but the rules are here so that we all you know make good life choices and have mm-hmm. fun and like so everybody gets along and we're all on the same page so that's my own like dm bias where where do you guys kind of see your role as the uh i guess the person sort of moderating the rules so i have a different perspective because of my gaming with kids I am, like, rule of cool wins hands down every time. Uh, Mm -hmm. Most of the time, um, I have the book on the table for them to reference if they would like to. Most of the time, it doesn't even get cracked open. (laughs) Because Um, they're kids. (laughs) Because they're kids. They don't care. So we'll be doing something. um, You know, I'll be setting the scene and they're just, I want to do this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, what's your strength? Okay, it's high enough. Yeah, you're able to do the first part, but I'm going to need a dexterity check for the second because I know that you have two left feet and your hands are on backwards. So (laughs) let's see if you can actually fully succeed. And they get so pumped. They have no idea what they're doing because they still don't understand the rules. But they are just like, I get to roll a d12. And I'm like, it's a D20. You tried. Good job. <laughs> Put down the D12. It's almost never the D12. And get the D4 out of your mouth. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So mine's like definitely a different perspective because mine is pretty much um, the rules are mostly there for combat for them, mm-hmm. which we keep it very combat light. They almost always try to get out of combat, which works. I let them do it. I'm like, sure. You want to try to talk to them by first dancing doing a limbo underneath a tree branch and getting their attention. All right, let's do it. They they have weird ideas. I don't understand sometimes. <laughs> they have a wide open imagination. They don't feel like there's wrong answers, which there all aren't. of us get hung up on. Yeah. There aren't wrong answers. But at least I feel like when we have answers, they at least sort of make sense and aren't completely out of left field. Yes. We as adults do <laughs> tend to have a coherence filter where we, we filter it through and go, does this make any kind of sense? Not all of us, but some of us. And in ways, that's great, because then things make sense. But another way, we probably reject a lot of awesome ideas like you were describing, <laughs> which would never <laughs> occur to me. <laughs> so I guess, uh, Ross or Tony, thoughts on what, I guess, kind of the role of the of the DM or GM is? And My, my role is just to survive. <laughs> just to survive <laughs> the session. Just get out of it intact. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't often find myself in a place where I am refereeing the rules. I like the only currency I accept at the table is player buy-in. Whatever I need to get that sweet, sweet coin, like, yeah, we're <laughs> we're good. Whatever we need to do. I will figure out something that feels fair at the table. But uh, yeah, I, I am more the one like, well, come on, can't you bend that rule a little bit? Maybe it doesn't mean like what you're saying. You could you know. <laughs> I it's weird doing it for the show too, though, because everyone I think engages with the game it may be at a more kind of rules respectful level like wanting to present the game right too so i think there's a lot of that with doing the actual play stuff so at the table it's a little more uh 
they're a little more pushy. <laughs> That's actually a good point. Being a, a podcast player is different from just sort of your standard play, um, yeah. I would say, and mm-hmm. what the expectations are. And also how far someone is willing to go to to push a point. I think they're kind of like, well, it's okay. Well, <laughs> it's all going to get edited out. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> and then when you're playing and you're not recording those rare times where you've managed to find a Sunday somewhere, um, they're just like, everybody's unhinged at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Try everything. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I so I've been running this campaign for for three years. It was originally the the fifth edition module, Princes of the Apocalypse. People who have listened to our podcast have heard it over and over again because we've been running it for three years. Yep, it was Prince of the Apocalypse, but they finished that, and the ending was going to be really boring. So it's now something completely different. But going back to running it after three months and having only played online and for the podcast at that time, it was very weird, like being back at the table. But in a sense, everyone was so much more chill and nice. Right. <laughs> it was so nice. <laughs> we were all like way more relaxed. We've been mm-hmm. recording together for all these months, like online. So being face to face, we're like, no, this is good. Let's yeah. share chips. Yes. Like, <laughs> eat <laughs> crunchy popcorn. things and sneeze. Yeah. That is one thing. <laughs> Having food that you can just you actually talk. Oh yeah, I want to. Want to do yeah that mm-hmm. yeah. rather than like hold on, let me finish my snack and drink and make sure my throat's clear and now talk and mm-hmm. yeah. So so the new player we mentioned, the one who has been only with us for a few months and uh, is into haggling. She was coming back and she hasn't been recording with us, so she was thinking, I have no idea what the rules are and I don't remember how to play. I've forgotten everything, <laughs> but. <laughs> Then once she got to the table, she was like, "Oh wait, never mind. We're cool. I know what I know what I do. I go and I talk to people. I play my violin and I, I make things. Yeah, I stab things because she's a, you know, she's a rogue with a like a performer background. Right. She's a rogue that actually wants to be a bard, but yeah. also is really good at killing people. <sighs> she's really good at roguing. She's really good <laughs> she's at killing rogue. people. She's she's an assassin rogue. That's what she does. But uh, I think." For her, once she kind of got to a point where she was like, okay, I feel like connected with the rules again. I think there's like a reassurance to knowing that the rest of the group is there to like support her and that everyone's sort of comfortable and in the same space with what the expectations are. Like, I don't expect all my players to know all the rules by any means. Like, (laughs) no, no, especially when you're new or you're new to role play games altogether and you're like i have these dice which ones are the ones i'm using it's never the d12 or almost ever (laughs) but but i think having for me i like as a dm knowing the rules well enough that i'm able to like support that person but i am also spoiled by having tony as a resource yeah so tony you didn't give your answer did you i did not um (laughs) the role of a dm uh Oh, yeah, no, I don't like referee at all for this. Mm-mm. I see myself kind of as I don't have a good way to put it, but I'm just like I have a good making term. sure everyone had fun while mm-hmm. still in the confines of the game itself. Bus driver, bus, bus, driver. bus driver. There you go. You're all you're you're taking everybody on the trip. You're in charge of making sure we all get there safely. <laughs> and. As, have a nice and enjoyable ride. As exactly. players, not as characters, because not all the characters will necessarily arrive safely. Uh, <laughs> if you kill my character. No. <laughs> I am never go out to try to mm-hmm. kill your character. Always remember that. You can't control the dice. Womp womp. Some of those crits. Some <laughs> of those bad rolls. Sometimes just, uh, yeah. So something, I don't actually have it on our list of questions, but it kind of harkens back to what Uh you were talking about, Ross, is sort of that idea of 
I guess, an adversarial position between yes. the DM and the players, which yeah. I think mm. my stance on rules is partly reflected by not really having that for the most part. I don't mm-hmm. think my players, as much as they joke, think I'm out to get them or that I want to win. I mean, but I know there are people who have that sort of DM, you know, player relationship. Yeah. And one of the things that has been really interesting doing this show, uh, not to harp on this, but bringing in a lot of new players is a, mm-hmm. a lot of people bring certain things that you're not necessarily expecting. And I'm like that where I, this isn't me versus you. This is a, you know, a story we are telling together as a, this is a cooperative storytelling game. It's not a, a competitive thing, but I have um, a player, Eileen, who is like really naturally competitive. Like she's into like football, like she does all sports stuff and she just really gets into that. So it's been very interesting to kind of adjust how I run when I'm interacting with her characters because she gets so much enjoyment as a player from it. So I get a lot more buy-in from her if I'm a little more adversarial with her. It's it's really interesting. And I've, I've played a couple games that are actually built straight adversarial where it is very much the... GM versus the players. Let's see if you can survive this. So those are interesting as well. But I think there are players that actually really kind of like, like Isabella too. She likes it when my dice are bad. And I love that she likes it when my dice are bad. So you know, there's a, there's this thing where you, you almost want to present it a little bit, but never actually really mean it just enough so that they can kind of enjoy it. Um, it's It's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's never, it's not the same from one session to the next, right? Mm-hmm. It's context driven. When you as the DM are the enemies and you're rolling like badly, I, I know like, especially for, for Rumble Squad, Rachel, you're like, <laughs> yeah, all right, you miss me. <laughs> or, um, or when you guys get that like crit on one of, uh, the big bad monsters that have been like harassing you this whole time, like those little cheers of just yeah. excitement. Yeah. yeah. But I'll say for, for, you're talking about buy-in for the games Tony runs for our podcast. I think the thing we all buy into that Tony presents to us is he wants to give us the opportunity to be heroes. And yeah. that's something we're all looking for in the style of game we're playing. It's a fantasy world. We're all playing these cool adventures. We want to be heroic in some way. And Tony presents a world full of challenges that encourage that heroism. And I think that's why even though, like I was saying, we're all like, oh, yeah, you're rolling bad. Honestly, we know it's coming from a place of Tony giving us an opportunity to overcome and succeed mm-hmm. and have those moments where we're like, that was awesome. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. the fa- the possibility to fail is there, mm-hmm. but we're hoping that it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was one uh, little bit of advice that I, like, I really, really like because if the DM really wants to win in D&D, the players can't ever oh, really yeah. win. If the DM actually is trying to win, there's no stopping them. Yep. So the DM, I see it as, in terms of the way that I tend to structure the games, is the DM is there to make the party the hero. And because of that, yes, there are going to be moments where the DM's like, no, no, he killed you. That's it. Um, or like those near-death experiences or really difficult challenges. But that's, to me, just bringing the players to that moment of, doing something amazing yeah whether it's slightly amazingly bad because of a nat one and then still recover from it or just unbelievable (laughs) because they swing from a chandelier to drop down and kill their enemy yes yeah i love yeah that moment is incredible (laughs) it it absolutely is 
I got I got one of those in the in the last season where they just they got so frustrated they did something very silly and then rolled very poorly doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was oh it was amazing like it, the humbling moment of uh, like so it's not an adversarial thing but like for that character's arc like you could that was clearly the the pitch point in the arc like ah uh, now this character is going to be different from here on out and she, and she played it like that and it was uh, it was so good it was so good i i love those moments like that for character growth like mm-hmm. i've told tony i'm like i built this character for our current game who knows who she is she's got a pretty stable background so i'm like i can't wait to see what you do to this character who's like i've got life figured out i've got a game plan Every, oh, the world is my oyster. So yeah, like she's she's capable and and she's totally set. Nothing can go wrong. So I'm very excited to see what Tony, who is a kind person but a very devious DM, <laughs> because he will run a long con on oh, on the players. But yes. we're like Tony has this plan, and we all think we know what it is, and we try to guess. And Tony just says things like, "Hmm, yes, that would be interesting." When I ask, uh, yeah. <sighs> It's hard being married to your DM. (laughs) (laughs) The most difficult thing is I'm like, I had a great idea. I can't share it with anybody. Yes. I, yes. I hate that. I hate that. That's the one thing about a DM that I I actually like. uh, I hate being because of just that one thing of like, oh, this is amazing. And I have no way to talk to mm -hmm. you because you're all in my game. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's it's worse when you do a show because you can't even... Like you no, can't tell you anybody. Can't. You gotta find yeah. like one person that's like, all right, I'm gonna spoil everything for you because I just need you to like tell me this isn't crazy. <laughs> all right. You can't tell anyway. I swear to secrecy, it gets yeah. very, very dramatic. Yeah. yeah I think uh, something that Tony, you and I have talked about is I know you're sometimes like inspired by the rules where you see a rule for something that you didn't know was available and that kind of drives something that happens in the game. What are you thinking of specifically? Uh, well, I'm trying to think of which one it was for you, but I know what has come up for us is we were flipping through the DMG and said, what is this carousing table? (laughs) Yes. How did we not know that's a thing that there's structure for and we should be doing literally all the time? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's times like that where there's an opportunity to take advantage of rules that might encourage you to try something you wouldn't, uh, especially for Mm -hmm. new players. Yeah, the carousing was one that we definitely like. As soon as you read it, all of us were just, I'm sorry, say again? How do we do this? How does this happen? <laughs> when can we do this? Yeah, How frequently what, can we do yeah. this? What are the How consequences? How much money does it cost? <laughs> we don't care about the consequences. We're just going to roll with it. No, no, just give them to our fighter dad and he'll uh, hold our money for us while we go and get wasted. <laughs> Yay! Well, we make good life choices. Yes. <laughs> we made so many good life choices. Well, so something, so our show is called Rules is Written, not because we always follow Rules is Written. We mostly do in our games, especially for the podcast, but we kind of were interested in that difference between rules is written versus rules is intended versus rule of cool. And I, I think my question to you guys was, how do you feel that thinking about those kind of concepts sort of informs how you make rules decisions or are they not valuable to think about at all and you just run what feels right? I think you read the table for that one all mm-hmm. in all honesty cuz there there will be games that are with a like a really simulation focused party and you know they th- they appreciate there there's a place for all of them there there really honestly is Yeah, hey, that that's definitely a good answer. I know I I I as I've said, I don't do a lot of real cool. I'm not as drawn to it in how I think about things, not because I think it's wrong, but because I'm just also not as good at it. I'm much better at structure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And you, I mean, you play to your strengths. That's, yeah. I mean, that's great. That's, 
Yeah. I know Rachel is rule of cool, like, all the way, <laughs> pretty much. Well, okay. But in fairness, I'm also playing with, most of the time, students who don't know yes. any yes. of the rules. And right. <laughs> to pause the game when we only have an hour at a time anyways, to look up rules repeatedly is a pain. Most of the time, I'll go, there is a rule for this. You do this, this, and this generally, or something along those lines. So we're going to go with that because that's what I'm vaguely remembering, I think, is how the rule works. So roll me these dice and we'll see how, <laughs> how it goes. And they're like, okay. <laughs> so something uh, we do, Ross, is we actually have a an annual tradition. I think we've done, what, three years now of Christmas mm-hmm. where we do Christmas. our – Yeah, we do, a, we do some sort of winter-themed game around Christmas time for our, our circle of friends that we do face-to-face. We all get together oh, awesome. and do a potluck, yep. and we take turns co-DMing it. So we've done different sort of combinations of those of us who have DMed. And uh, Rachel and I co-DMed it. I think we were both nervous a little because our styles are so different. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Night and day yep. difference. But it went really well it because we so sort because we sort of had addressed both sides of things. So our prep mm-hmm. styles were different, but it came together, and we both knew the players, so we kind of knew what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. And I think it meshed, which I guess we is got sort of another diabolical. It was amazing. Oh, nice. Well, we gave them a puzzle. That's all it takes to be called diabolical. Here's a puzzle. Have fun. <laughs> it was a wooden puzzle that had duplicate pieces and pieces missing. Oh my! Yep. <laughs> Josh thought we were evil. <laughs> like, yes. It had enough that we could finish it, but that's about it. They were building a goat for reference. It was a wooden goat. <laughs> it was amazing. I think we posted on the Twitter for a while. Yeah, it was posted. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think that, anyways, that kind of sort of I think is an example of how like different styles can merge well, even together. Oh, even yeah. if you feel like you have different ideological perspectives on rules, that doesn't mean you can't collaborate and come up with something that's a really good experience. Absolutely. If I am, and just because of the shows and everything, I tend to be focused more on rules of rule of cool now. I my my best sounding words are always straight raw folk. Mm -hmm. So those they give you the best ideas. They clue you in on the one little thing you're missing that is really important. I I love talking to people who run and prep completely different from me. Like I get a lot out of those interactions all the time. Yeah, Rachel says Mm -hmm. I prep like a weirdo. I don't understand. <laughs> it breaks my brain. <laughs> I like structure. She I- has an agenda. It's very organized, but she's when she. Uh, it's a lot of just like, oh, I uh, RP is probably going to take about this long. Then there's if they wow. do this, then there's combat, and then it'll take about this long. Wow. Or if they do this, then there'll be more RP, which will be about. And she's usually right. Well, nice. I've been writing for the same, mostly the same players for three years, so I tend to have mm-hmm. an idea how long they'll want to spend on things. But yes, I, I don't. It's not totally the agenda. It's more like a estimated timeline, and I apparently have learned that's super strange. You but have an, yeah, having an <laughs> estimated timeline is amazing. That's incredible. <laughs> so when Rachel and I were co-DMing, I'm like, I put together our estimated timeline. I've shared it with you through Google Docs, and she's like, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> what, what is happening? So, I'm like, uh, I have bullet points. Yeah. And I, I need somebody to hand me one of those. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I think I could do really well with that. I could I'm never sure there's one. one one somewhere. <laughs> oh, it's still at Google. It's still at Google oh, Drive. Yes. I'm sure that works for me, and that goes with my tendency towards structure. Uh, but at the same time, I know Rachel is way better at improv. I mean, I could do some level of improv, but it's not my strength at all. I'm like, hold, let me think. Okay, I know what to do, but I'm not like, boom, here's the whole story arc, and Rachel will just come up with something, and I'm like. Great. That sounds good. Let's run with that. Yeah, sure. Like, does it sound good? And she's like, yeah. 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 I don't it's, know where it came from, but it's good. Thumbs yeah. up. 
<laughs> yeah, that's tends to be how I go to. So it's, uh, yeah, I just, I get so impressed with people that are that well structured. Dave's similar. Like he has color coded indexed, um, like index cards in like a little plastic thing. And it's incredible. These little pictures on out. I think he was like a detective in a past life or something. I don't know, (laughs) but his prep is just like drool over it. And I just, I have one sheet of paper and like six post-it notes. (laughs) That sounds about mine. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I think that sounds like Rachel's method, which works just as well. I don't think it's like, I, I know people are like, oh my gosh, I admire how much you prep. I don't do that because I want people to think, wow, your prep is very thorough. It's more like, no, I need that. It's a coping mechanism. <laughs> like, yeah. it keeps me sane. <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm so impressed like with that level of stuff because that is just some you know beginning middle and end like i got maybe three scenes like you could do the whole thing with anybody like and when you can structure for the group too like uh, that's just that's incredible i sweat too much when i run (laughs) way too much (laughs) great things do still go totally off the rail sometimes where i'm like not the city i thought you were going to but that's okay. I prepped for that too because I'm paranoid that I made a contingency plan. Mwahaha. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like rolling for like random names and going, yeah, you're going to meet some people. <laughs> Hold on one second. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, the random names. All I just roll ahead of time and write them down. I'm just like, yep, I'll pull them out of a hat as you guys come up to random people. Oh, no. You walk up to a random person, you name them. That's my rule. <laughs> oh. I've been telling Tony he needs to do that to us more because for one of our groups that I'm in, I'm like, okay, we need to go to, I guess what I will call Fantasy Office Depot. Is that available? And what is it like? (laughs) So going forward, Tony's going to make us name and describe Fantasy Office Depot. I don't have this ready because you were just supposed to stop and mail your letters. Go ahead. What's here? We needed calligrapher supplies. (laughs) Yep. I, that's, I can usually go, oh, you walked up to this person. Do you know them? Yeah, I know them. Oh, good. What's their name? And now, like, <laughs> you've already established you know this. So now you don't want to be the person who doesn't know the person's name that you just walked up to because now you just handed me a grenade. So start naming NPCs. There you go. See, Tony, you need to do that more. You need to push stuff back on us. You just take responsibility for things too easily. Yeah, I'll be mean to Mike. <laughs> you guys are headed to his hometown soon. That's where I can I can just be like, all right, you know everybody, go. So bring back to rules. I'm sorry. We got a great no. whole discussion on yes. tips for GMing and, and how to do better. Uh, I think kind of reading over in the, the DMG how to master the rules, it kind of says that, you know, there's a lot of things that could be in the player's handbook. If you like and create your own stuff, there's optional rules, like you mentioned, Ross, variant rules, which we've been embracing more in our game. Oh, they're for beautiful. Sure. Uh, but I think one of the things I appreciate most is having those moments where Tony particularly will say, oh, there's a rule for that. When I'm like, oh, I wonder how to handle this in a game. And he's like, there's a rule for that. And I'm like, there's a table for madness. What do you mean there's a table for madness? I don't remember that. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) Out of the Abyss is filled with it. But I think there are times even where if you haven't had a chance to like really review the rules, you might put effort into trying to invent rules for things that already exist. (laughs) Most assuredly. And then you bear your homebrew and that becomes a thing. And yeah, (laughs) that's good, too. Yeah, or I think something I've seen a lot of people mention, it's come up in conversations on Twitter, is where people are looking for rules 
to add to D&D 5th edition to accomplish things they want. And essentially, they end up building something that resembles another system that already exists or oh, something yeah, that can sure. do that better. So I think that's another reason where I'm like, we're going to stick with the rules because if we if these aren't the right rules, then maybe we're just playing the wrong system. Yeah. I mean, that's like plot points realistically kind of change D&D for me. So now that that is just and, you know, you could always sort of do that on your own. But as a presented variant rule within the core game, it's. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge one for me. Okay, so quick question. How do you use plot points? Because there's a few options. Um, oh, gosh, and I, I should know the name of it. It's the first one where basically they're, it's a GM token. You get to be GM for, ah. the, for a minute. What, what happened? And like, really, those are just little like player buy in silver dollars that I see. Like, oh, and, and you want to be more invested in the game? Yes, please. Uh, I'll have that. <laughs> oh, I, you found the MacGuffin. Yeah. What's the MacGuffin? <laughs> yeah, it's great. And I, the, one of the things I really like about it is that everybody has to like spend them. So you're kind of encouraging them to interact more with the world and contribute more to the storytelling just because there's a mechanic behind it. So I don't know. I, I, that's how I use it primarily. And I love it. Oh, that's why I was interested. And I think it kind of to tie into what you were saying, what rules are available do drive what we do mm-hmm. as players, I think. So as much as I say, well, Tony will tell us how to do something we want to do. I know I will try to do things because I know there are rules for them. And on the flip side, I might shy away from things there aren't rules for. So I think that could be the, the downside oh, of very kind of being interesting. I hadn't in. thought of that. Well, it's sort of the idea kind of to pattern off of how things work in linguistics, right? It's hard to mm-hmm. conceptualize something you don't have words for. In the same way, I think if you're in a very rules mindset, it's hard to conceptualize activities that there aren't rules for if you're in that sort of rules space. That is a super good point. I will be much more aware of that in the future. Thank you very much. Like I had <laughs> honestly never considered that. That's, that's super helpful. Yep. Thank you. And I said, that's why I think my games are so crazy because my kids don't have that rules background. That They're they don't speak the language. Just looking at <laughs> yeah. the story and the game in front of them, and you know, I tell them go wild, and they certainly do. It's always fun. I think you said early on they were often driving their decisions on what they thought Batman would do <laughs> in a given scenario. <laughs> yeah, they do like, okay, so it's either Batman or um, one of those Dragon Ball Z characters. I don't know any of their names. So <laughs> Goku. Probably, because there's a lot of like the hand gestures and the Kamehameha or whatever. And I'm like, sure, you can do that. Fine. Uh, please sit down and stop jumping on my table, though. Uh, <laughs> I have had I've had children jump up on tables in the middle of gaming sessions. So I've um, had adults that was- do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but are you in the library? <laughs> Valid point. <laughs> no. I, I had a, a nine-year-old child jump on the table, yelling, "Mice, settle down! Don't riot!" And I'm like, "Please get off the table! Please get off the table!" And my boss was looking at me, going, "What is happening over there?" I was like, oh, "It's under so control. It's under control." <laughs> uh, yeah, she was trying to stop a riot in Mouse Guard. They, they had just been informed that there was not enough food for the winter and they were going to have quarter rations for the winter and the mice were about to riot. And so she's like, no, <laughs> it was adorable. But yeah, you have the they, cutest kid stories. They do. They're so yeah. cute. But yeah, a lot of times they tend to think about what their character is going to do based on what a famous character would do. Uh, mm. Like, oh, well, Batman would totally jump up on the roof and then like hang down. And I'm like. 
you are nowhere near like Batman. <laughs> Let me put this in perspective. You're a barbarian. You have no finesse at all with you. <laughs> oh, please don't try to be Batman. And he's like, okay, can I kick down the door? Sure, you can kick down the door. That is something that a barbarian with your background would do. And he's like, okay, cool. So they're, yeah, they tend to try to take all the popular stuff that they know because that's their frame of reference and mm-hmm. run with it. I do like when they jump on the table, though. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly dramatic. It is. <laughs> it shows they are engaged with the activity. That and when they cry. That's the other time they're engaged. Oh. I do make them cry. Yeah. But Not all the time, right? Just, no, just sometimes. Just, just the one, usually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. It's not my fault. He's a very emotional little child, right? <laughs> and he accidentally killed a goblin that he wanted to be friends with. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, and then came in the next day. Please, can we rewind? No, no, sorry. Aww. That's consequences. So, speaking of actually killing something, I have a story, and my brother will probably hear this, and he'll be like, great, she told the story about my game, but I'm doing it anyways. So, it. my brother <laughs> is new to D&D 5th edition. He's running uh, the first adventure as it the, in Tales from the Outing Portal. Is it the Sunless Citadel? It's the Sunless Citadel. The Sunless Citadel. And for his friends, who are all new to D&D, and I was so excited when he said he was going to do this. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to help you. Have our minis and our dice. We're here to support you. We'll cheer from the sidelines. Um, and in spite of all that, he still let us come to his first game just to, you know, be supportive and help with rules and stuff. Uh, there's a part in that adventure where there is a small, sorry about begging noises. I was about to say that all of that's going to be in the recording. Well, it'll just sound very dramatic. In what okay. <laughs> and that's okay. I'll lean in as much as possible. Uh, so there's a point where there is a small kobold who's like in a, a bedroll who is crying and through some misunderstanding... And someone getting a little murder hobo, someone <laughs> stabbed this crying kobold. <laughs> and it was immediately like totally polarizing between, I don't know what happened. It was just, I had my sword out. I stabbed him. People being like, how could you? He was an emotionally like devastated kobold. He oh. needs us. And my brother is over there going, he's killed him. He has no HP. Like he's dead. And I'm like, look at the faces around your table. He has exactly zero HP. They could still save him. They have a healer. I would say give them the option to heal him because this is a crucial moment yeah. for your players. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but I mean, but he's dead. He has zero HP. He's a monster. And I'm like, don't worry about that. Read what? the room. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they are going to be divided forever, not as characters, but as players over the death of this one kobold. <laughs> They're coming unhinged. Fixed it. <laughs> so they were able to save Meepo, who I know Rachel has read this, so she also knows mm-hmm. Meepo, who is in the adventure he's just a very pitiful little kobold he's very pitiful (laughs) my players really loved him uh but anyways that was one of those times where i was like i know ben my brother i know what the rules say that yes he's a monster he has zero hp he's dead but based on what's happening right now they need this (laughs) right but in fairness you could be flexible and put him as an NPC, which then he is no longer technically a monster. He's an NPC, which right. would follow the player rules. 
Right. I was going to say, it, it gives you discretion within the yeah. book. I mean, how mm-hmm. you want to handle that. I'm like, he has zero HP. They've got someone right there who can stabilize him. So they stabilized him. And then they had a serious conversation about, you know, harming <laughs> innocents. <laughs> and yeah, note stab first, ask questions first. Let's talk it through. Uh, but I think that was one of those times where following the rules as exactly they are written would have led to not like the end of the game, but would have been a very difficult moment for players and characters to get past as they all would have stood sadly over the body of a dead kobold who was crying or had been you know it would have been very traumatic he had been crying (laughs) had been crying until the until the accident (laughs) so i think there's times like that where even though i am a rules person where i'd be like there's there's fudge room for sure to do what needs to be right for the story yeah definitely and yeah that was exactly the same call that i think anybody would have made realistically i mean that's those are important moments and and i I think that probably doesn't even fall into like intended or cool like that's kind of this weird other thing that we all do sometimes (laughs) (laughs) where it's we give people what they need (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of a weird thing when you think about it but i think the whole point of the rules is to support running a good game yeah so the good game is what's important yep so I realize we only have one question left on our questions list, which takes yep. it back to our very beginning about rules lawyers, which is how do you handle a rules lawyer or what do you do if you are one? <laughs> well, what's worked for me is not opening a book once the session starts and making sure you are the person that doesn't know the rules best at the table, which doesn't always work, you know, because sometimes you're all playing a new game um, and you might be the only one that's looked through the book, but. And eventually someone has to know the rules best. Yes. Yeah, someone has to know Tony. <laughs> Hi. So what what would you say, Rachel? When Curse gets on his rule rules lawyer moments, I just let you handle him. <laughs> <laughs> so the you advice just, like, is shut him down. You're like, no, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's it's true sometimes where I'm like, no, 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 this is not the time or the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Easy boy. Calm down. <laughs> we got a game to run. Okay, so that's the solution is find someone who's better at rules or find someone who will shut people down for you, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, study the rules, just don't study them at the table once the game started. There you go. Do that's your best. Advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Follow your dreams. Be true to <laughs> <Yeah>. yourself. <laughs> Work hard. <laughs> what do you say, Tony? I actually have to agree with Ross on this, just that I put the book away once play starts. Um have your character sheets that should have everything you need on it. If it's a spell issue or a clarification, I get that. Um, but also part of it is because I know the rules pretty well, or at least have the everyone's spell list on my phone because I, I do that. Just ask. I can pull up quickly if there's an issue of clarification or if I'm like, yep, this is how I'm going to rule it for now. We can always clarify it later when I go and look something up. Yeah, as a as a player, I try to frame things as a question. Um, so it happens a lot in our podcast where you hear from me, question to the DM. <laughs> Tony's <laughs> like, all right, I'm ready. What's it going to be? It's usually, I want to do this thing. How do I do that? And he gives me a quick answer on mechanically how to get there. But I would say, as an accused rules lawyer, <laughs> <laughs> I think part of it is just reading the room as well. It's just sort of gauging are people enjoying what's going on, whether you're a DM or a player? If you see people shooting, like, you know, accusatory glances at you on a regular basis when you ask lots and lots of questions, or, 
you find that you do all of the talking in combat and all of your turns are very, very long because you have lots of lots of things to discuss. I, I would say maybe that's the point at which to like step back and like evaluate <laughs> your mm-hmm. play style, which I know I have done where I'm like, oh, gosh. I'm a monster. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but that gives me room to grow and get better. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's building from the ground up. We're all always learning, even when, you know, we've talked about different experience levels. I think there's a certain point where it's less about time and more about just finding that right fit and that right experience. Because I know there are people who have been playing shorter times than me who are a lot stronger at certain skills than I am. So we all learn as we go. Absolutely. And just, yeah, yeah, never stop learning. It's always going to be, you know, there's always going to be another game, another book to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we got through all of our questions. I think that kind of worked as our wrap up. Usually we try to do a what have we learned today, you know, because we're a sitcom. So how did you get into tabletop role playing games? Oh, oh, well, I I had one of those like relatives. So I had an I had an older cousin that saw me, I, I think saw that I was playing probably like a RPG video game. And then one Christmas, I got, I think, five really beat up uh, second <laughs> advanced second edition D&D books. And that wow. was just kind of the beginning of that. So and I, I, I did not even know what they were at first, probably like I'm sure they sat like in a pile for months before I even opened one. But it was pretty straight head on after that. So it wasn't love at first sight, but once you got to know the books, like... Well, yeah, because I think it was like a Christmas scenario where I was probably really excited about something else and then, you know, I had forgot about it momentarily, (laughs) but... bike. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And then just, yeah, it was just a beautiful world opened up and and I got as many friends into it as I could. And, you know, we probably played, you know, sleepovers and stuff uh, for years until we even knew there were like game shops and stuff like that so i live grew up in a small town so like the closest store was like you know over an hour away probably so yeah just walking into one of those shops for the first time and seeing the whole world of it as opposed to just the five books we had was was an incredible experience also so that was really what cemented it i think yeah the idea that oh my gosh there are more people out there who want to play games and and more games it's it was incredible like the idea of other games existing just weren't it just hadn't clicked yet, you know. It was an awesome time. Yeah, nowadays we're spoiled for choice. So spoiled, and we have <laughs> Kickstarter's and like, mm-hmm. I mean, just so much internet research, videos, podcast, like everything's there now. It's yeah, it would have been a little easier. <laughs> there's, there's a system for everything. So even if someone's like, "Well, I'm not really into high fantasy," or like, "Well, that's no barrier at all to entry. Why don't you come <laughs> check out these other lovely options that are exactly. available?" <laughs> What are you into? Because that's a thing. I can guarantee it. Yeah. If it's yeah. not directly, there's a generic that'll cover it. Oh, man. Uh, Tony, do you remember the name of that uh, Jane Austen style RPG that's coming out? Is it Good Society? I think. I think so. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited <laughs> for that one. I'm like, I want to snub people and plan good marriages and make bad decisions for my social standing. And then I go. Probably not everyone wants to do that, but that sounds awesome to me. I've been preparing my whole life to play a game like that. <laughs> I would love to play that. Like, that sounds so incredibly unique. I, oh. I like those. Yeah. I like just how big and wide it is now. Uh, it's great. Yeah. There's something for every kind of experience. Yeah. So how did you get into podcasting? Oh, well, that was probably the accidental part. Um you know, I, I, I wish I could credit whoever it was, but it was in a game shop and somebody had mentioned, I think, nerd poker. Mm. And I had 
you know, I, I listened to like NPR, so I kind of already was in a little bit of that. So their podcast and then like nerd poker. So mm-hmm. I'd listen to a little bit of that and just, you know, casual kind of podcast listening. Um, and then I think it was the black tapes was like the first thing, like podcasts, like me and my partner really got into like we, that was like you know date night was listening to the black tapes um with like candles and stuff it was great oh wow oh yeah we we went for it oh we went for it we absolutely <laughs> went for it um and then it was just well i could probably do something like that and you know there's a whole bunch of other games to play and then you then you start fi- learning like oh well there's so much of this too like i didn't even know all this was here so it yeah it kind of led me to actual play, you know, as I was thinking about, I might be able to do something like that. And that wasn't even like my first thought at all. You know, I, I was thinking of doing something just probably completely different, but. Oh, really? What, oh, what yeah. was, what was the first pitch if we can hear it? <laughs> oh no, it would have been something like, um, well, because of like the timing, um, probably something like focused on like local politics or something. It would have been oh. something like really small and just like that was kind of just where my head was, you know? Um, and then the idea of putting the table and the podcast together, uh, as soon as it, that clicked, I couldn't walk away from that. So, yeah, it's, it's like two things that you love and bringing those passions together and just sharing that with a community is sort of like one of those experiences that's amazing, but also very surreal, I think, when, yeah. you, think, when you reflect on it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, having I've, I've had a lot of opportunity to like run games and shops. And that thing that happens is somebody who's interested but doesn't they want to watch. Mm-hmm. And that I, I've seen people get really uncomfortable in those. And I, I've always kind of been like, yeah, absolutely. Pull up a chair, you know, just chill, hang out for an hour. That's fine. Um, but that kind of makes the table uncomfortable sometimes, too. So just the idea of always having something like that available to someone is incredible. So if, if anyone ever wanted, what is this like? Here you go. You don't even have to go through the social oddity of it. You can just listen. <laughs> You're like minimal awkwardness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Lurker exactly. Without them knowing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's not a lurker. It's a listener, okay? Right. <laughs> now they're patrons, which is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it's all it's all about bringing people in, right? <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, just the idea that I could do that in some small way was, yeah, too much to not try. So, and then I I fell in love with it pretty quickly. So, And then you're like, what is free time? I now have something to put all my time to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think in my head, I was like, you know, this will be a great way to justify the time that we spend playing these games. Not a way to like triple it, but yeah, that's the way (laughs) it went. (laughs) Yeah, I think we've talked about this uh, to a few people. To be fair, I'm always trying to encourage other people to start podcasts. I'm like, it's horrible amounts of work, but it's wonderful. You should do it, but you'll make sacrifices. Yes, and you leave that part. Like, you should definitely do it. Oh, you're going to start one? Great, you've started it. Okay, now say goodbye to all of your friends. (laughs) Your friends are the people you podcast with now. (laughs) You can only speak to them, and only when it's recording. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it's not 100% true, but there are some weeks where it no, is. No, no. When you're editing, you get to be with them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your friends are your constant companions. <laughs> They'll always be there for you. Oh, yes. <laughs> hours yeah. and hours of them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm grateful to Tony for being our editor. I I help a little bit sometimes and it burns me out fast. So I'm always like, if you're willing to, I mean, if you like doing it, yeah, please 
be our editor. You do a great job. And I really, really don't want to. <laughs> yeah, there, there are days where I quietly mumble to myself, I'm going to make them all edit at least one episode from here on out. <laughs> yep. I think about it. <laughs> and then you're like, no, it's good. Well, it's fine. Okay. Even going to them like, oh, I like it when I get just like just the right amount. Like, oh, now this sounds like really cool rather than us really like thinking about, okay, what are we going to do next? Mm-hmm. Like I, and then just, oh, no, jump to straight to like the really cool scene. And then there's other days where I'm like, and another um, <laughs> and another awkward pause. <laughs> oh, wait, I have to try and figure this one out because they went, uh, so like, can, uh, so. Oh, I'm sorry. That's, uh, that's <laughs> totally, that was totally a Rachel impression, Tony. Wow. Yeah, that was totally a Rachel impression. I know. I only spent three hours editing today, so I know for a fact that's a me. <laughs> I wasn't going to call anything out. It's all right, Rachel. I know what mine is. I don't do it as much as I used to, but things like, but yeah, no. Um, oh, no. And I'm like, what are yep. those words? Those are worthless words. But um, yeah, no, it's good. It's like, green. It's kind of still <laughs> tripping over itself. I have this uh, terrible habit. I, I do mostly like improv style, style GMing, so mm-hmm. I will start a sentence in an effort to buy myself time to think, get a really good idea, and then just start going into it, and I won't actually manage to make a complete sentence out of it. (laughs) So then I can't cut the beginning part. Uh, It's awful. And then you go, but you know what I mean? (laughs) This is where you try and dub over as carefully as possible to make it sound coherent. Yeah, Yeah. Tony's gotten pretty good at dubbing himself for those times where he's like, it was going in a really good direction, but then... I'll realize I'll start a sentence and like halfway through it, I kind of clarify something that I said slightly earlier, but and I listen back, I'm like, this made no sense. Like, I get it, (laughs) but it makes no sense now. And everyone else got it at the time. Right. I, I, uh, (laughs) poor Dave, I... I did like ADR for for Dave in one of the one of the seasons we did because we knew an NPC or a character he played was going to be an NPC in that. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, this will be great. Dave lives really close to me. I'll just have him come over and just you know redo the line so it's in the character's voice. And then I got really lazy, <laughs> really oh. fast. Oh. So I was just like, and then Dave says something cool, and <laughs> so I was giving him like nothing by the end of it. It was a bad idea. Yeah, Dave oh. gives you great. Dave gives you the finger guns. Yeah. He loves it. <laughs> There's a bronon. Uh, and then I, I wouldn't listen to it till I had him over. I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I don't. <laughs> it seemed so right in my head. Yeah, I've had to dub myself a couple times, but overall, overall, I think it's not really heavy editing. At least not for not for rules episodes, but for the actual not play. for rules episodes. <laughs> the rules episodes. I'm just like, are there long awkward pauses? Did we go on a tangent in which, like, we didn't discuss anything on the interview or of the actual topic? <laughs> cool. Otherwise, it's pretty much staying in. Yep. Yeah. So, back to the interview. <laughs> oh, yes. No, because it's yeah, not this- about podcasting necessarily. That was <laughs> yeah. spot on podcasting interviews. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Good. 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 It was great content. So, yeah. <laughs> this is where we get to the hard interview questions that Uh-oh. for some people. What's your favorite uh, RPG system to play? Oh, well, I'm just going to cheat. So this is easy. Um, so it's 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 a toss up um, between the what I basically just call the narrative systems now, since we play the Star Wars and the Genesis game. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the fantasy flight system that is, you know, driven by the narrative dice and yeah, it's fifth edition. I've kind of fallen back in love with it with the like asterisks that I use a lot of variant rules when I play it that tend to bring it a little closer. It, it, 
tends to move the bell curve a little bit more towards the narrative end. So it's certainly the narrative focus that I enjoy. And they've done some really, really good stuff with especially the variant rules, but with just the system in general. Um, and that's like campaign and adventure stuff. My current favorite one shot is Love and Justice, without question. That's the one you were telling one. us about at the meetup. <laughs> it's so good. I can't wait to play it again. We're going to play it with like Erica and Isabella pretty soon, just for funsies. But we, I've just got to get another one in. I'm going to take it with me to Dragon Con, too. I'm going to try to talk everybody into playing it. <laughs> be like, so let me pitch this game to you. Yeah. Actually, so wait. Tony and Rachel were part of this conversation, so they don't know what the pitch is. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. Give give the the high level. (laughs) It's a hack of um, lasers and feelings. You can get it on drive-through RPG. You definitely should. And it's like it's a magical girl version of that game. But it is so like lovingly and sincerely well crafted. Like it is like if a game could like be nice and make you feel good about the world that's what this game is <laughs> and it's it's structured so well to mimic like the magical girl television shows and stuff like that like the session ends when you use your like combined attack power that's <laughs> how the game ends that's the rule for when it happens it's just it's phenomenal um you get just incredible moments out of it like the transformation is like one of the best things i've i've ever experienced at a table like it's just 100 player engagement and everyone is so on board and loving everything you're doing it's it's fantastic and there's just you smile just the whole time you're playing it there's no way you, you don't it's fantastic um, have you mentioned this to, to Mike? Oh yeah. No, no. They were talking about this at the meetup. <laughs> I, I figured this would be something he would love. And I leaned over and I was like, magical girl game. And he's like, shh, <laughs> let the man talk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And like, so easy to run. It's like four pages long. Even if you've never played uh, lasers or feelings, like it'll take you 20 minutes. And there's even like a chart to randomize all of the GM stuff. Like, so you literally don't even know, need to know anything when you sit down to play it and you're good. Wow. So what I'm hearing is we should play this at one of our next meetups. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, you know, it's fairly short. It's meant to sort of mimic the half hour television show. So it takes, I don't know, ours was maybe like an hour and a little more. So the first half hour is kind of building the, the characters in the world. And then you play the episode, man, it's great. Yeah. It sounds awesome. (laughs) So it sounds like you did okay with the question. By the way, we will accept your toss-up answer. Uh, oh, good. Thank yeah. you. Sorry, she, <laughs> we will accept. She'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's okay. I, these are just so people can get to know you. We don't actually hold you to these answers. And if your favorite system changes, that's also okay. Well, and that that it certainly has over the years. So this is probably a fairly new thing. Yeah. So do you have a favorite memory or moment that you are most proud of as either a DM or a player? Like, uh, that's so hard. That's we will accept so one of each. Hard. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about that it would also be spoilers. Spoilers. Yes, Aww. I had a feeling. So <laughs> maybe something from further in the past. Yeah, like there's some like incredible like game moments that I would love to just talk about. But good thing is they're all recorded. So anybody can go listen to those and I will okay. happily talk about them if you're caught up. Um, but I don't want to spoil anything. Um, in like... In a very, very general sense, my proudest moment is when the moment it clicks with a new player, mm-hmm. like when you've brought someone in that was unsure about practically everything and you sit them down at a table and they have 
a blast and you get to like connect with them as a human. Like I'm, I'm not the best social person for some reason, like the table is where I can really connect with other people. And when I can help bring somebody like new to that, or just maybe some give somebody that experience, like that moment is the best. And it, and it, it happens like a lot. So it's not just one specific one, but that is like, uh, that's just, that's the absolute best thing. That's the thing I'm always going to be most proud of. So the last time that happened would be the the time I'm currently most proud of. <laughs> so this will remain accurate as this episode is continued to be listened to going forward in perpetuity. Yeah. Well, probably not by the time it, well, yes, that, but it'll be a different person by the <laughs> right, time right, it right, happens, yeah, right. which is great. Um, so yeah, I mean, that is just, that's incredible. So that, that experience and like, I don't know, getting to create an inclusive space and people can forge friendships and you know it's yeah it's amazing it's i mean it's why everybody does it's kind of a cheap answer but it's it's honestly what i'm most proud of certainly when i'm running a game hey there are no cheap answers here that was a quality answer thank you very much i appreciate it (laughs) yeah i would say it's sometimes also for me the things that surprise me that people enjoy like uh one of my friends and co-workers who had no background in any sort of rpgs of any kind either video game or tabletop or anything but she kept hearing about how much fun we were having playing D &D, and she's like can i come can i check it out and when she joined the moment i think she really was like oh my gosh i love this it's amazing is when she discovered that she could haggle like prices with shopkeepers (laughs) yeah Yeah. and it was like transformative where she was like oh guys aaron has this like aaron has plenty to do here let me use my persuasion because apparently i am charismatic mm-hmm. <laughs> and what's I even better is that. then we took her carousing <laughs> yep. no, it's that like when a new player creates a character that is clearly helping compensate for a real fear the player has and they get to kind of experience a world where they don't have that fear for a little bit oh it's so great it's so amazing yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. Every time I just, I love it. That click, it's so good. It could be a big thing or a small thing, but mm-hmm. then moment of like, oh my gosh, I have agency in this space. And mm-hmm. also I'm having so much fun. Yes, <laughs> it's amazing. It's so much fun. So uh, I think the last thing we have for our actual recording is thank you, Ross, so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute blast. And you yay! didn't yell at me or anything. So yay. Yelling <laughs> you. Why would you yell? No, we, we had a great conversation about this. And this, oh, is, yeah. this can be a hot topic. And I, you know, and we have Discord exchanges and stuff. But like, you know, we're all still relatively new acquaintances and everything. And this was fantastic. So thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, no problem. We did not lure you into a trap uh, by any means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perception check. Hey, In- hey. In- insight, insight. <laughs> well, I was just doing perception to see if you could see the trap. <laughs> oh, Tony, oh, Tony was thinking it was a verbal like, I was uh, thinking it was trap, a verbal trap. trap. <laughs> oh, no, I was thinking physical like Spike's fall. <laughs> oh, gosh. You guys, you're so sinister. No, no, rocks fall, everyone dies. <sighs> I have threatened my students with that. <laughs> I believe it. Well, they are and the, the first always response is, what does that mean? I'm like, it literally means that I'm going to drop rocks <laughs> on all of your characters. Everyone dies. <laughs> and they're like, their eyes get wide. I'm like, so you need to quiet down and listen or the game is done. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, so there is an end okay. to the game. I'm like, when your characters are all dead. Yes. Or you, or you win. <laughs> yeah. See, there you go. There's the rule outside the rule. Rachel is the boss and you do not mess with her. <laughs> yes, Children. No. <laughs> and don't jump on tables in libraries unless it's a really cool dramatic moment and then yeah. do it. 
That's and it quickly get, get down. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> 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 the librarian see. Yes. Yell at me. 